All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Ho, ho, Merry Christmas. Uh, welcome to the Christmas edition of the DFO Rundown. That was Frank Saravalli, a.k.a. Santa. I am uh, Jason Greger. As always, it's brought to you by Botano.ca. It's episode 265 on the 25th of December. Merry Christmas. Uh, happy holidays. I uh, hope you're having a great day. Uh, Botano, hey, guess what? There's lots of NFL games for those of you who want to scratch the itch. Of course, no NHL games that air tomorrow, but you got the uh, NHL, uh, NFL, and of course, uh, some big games, some playoff implication games, and then the NHL returns later this week on the uh, 27th and lots of teams on the uh, 28th and away we'll go. So uh, lots of opportunities for you at Botano.ca. Hey, college football as well. They got uh, yeah. a lot of games to, uh, a to little, bet on. A little like. Tommy Cutlets making his way to South Philly today. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Tommy Cutlets. Oh man. That is a, it's a classic classic. Uh, the, the scary part is the giants are actually playing pretty good with him. And it's like, it's alarming me as an Eagles fan, two games against the giants in your final three. When you're scuffling, not exactly the, the chicken parm you want to rub, run up against. Oh, hey, Jalen Hurts coming out and saying, hey, boys, we got to play better. And uh, Kelsey's like, yeah, that's what you want. That's that's what you want guys to say is we got to be better. We were just saying that last week about Devon Taves and, and the abs and his comments. Like, I, I was totally fine with that. No, oh, yeah, I mean, to me, when you're a good team, you should have high expectations. Why the hell wouldn't you? It makes uh, makes no sense not to. Now, Frankie, uh, Christmas. Do you, do you have any Christmas like morning food that you have to have, or like around your home at Christmas time? Like, is bacon. there any staples of food that you have every year? Just bacon. Christmas morning, you need six pounds of bacon. 
Oh yeah. I I, love I don't that's the one thing I really look forward to. Obviously, family and the excitement of kids and for me it's really like I'm all about the Christmas morning breakfast. Dude. I think that's way bigger, way more fun than Christmas evening dinner, not Eve. Christmas Eve dinner is always nice, but after you've sort of done the whole thing, it's the breakfast that's fun. Now, do you make the breakfast on Christmas morning? Dude, I don't make anything in my house. Oh my God. The problem is neither does my, like I'll help. Megan doesn't do a lot either, but like breakfast, we can manage breakfast. We can do some waffles and pancakes and, and bacon and, I had uh, I had Tyler come to Philly. He had some scrapple and pork roll. So that part to me, like I, I'm all about. I'm a big breakfast guy. I love a good breakfast sandwich in general. Yeah. Some okay. days I'll have a I'll I'll go to the local bagel place around here and have a breakfast sandwich for lunch. Oof, chef. So kids. we have a breakfast uh, dish that uh, my mom made when I was a kid, and then grew up to teenagers. My brother and I like we loved it. Like we didn't have. I'm like, why the hell are we not having this more often? And so uh, the base is hash browns with a sauce. And so you bake that on the bottom of the uh, of the saucepan. Then you crack the eggs so they're raw. You put them in and you create little holes and then the eggs go in the hole. You can have like eight or 10 because it's a pretty big saucepan. Then you put Canadian back bacon over top oh. of it. And then you put it in the stove. It is unbelievable. Buddy. It is the greatest you you it's like it's like a casserole of breakfast and it's amazing. And then um and then obviously I have other bacon on top, but the back the other bacon doesn't cook as well. So we tried it with that, but the back bacon cooks way better for this. And uh, and then I've also added in so my mom comes to our house now uh, because my son is the uh, the youngest of the grandkids and uh, he's still pretty fired up. So she sleeps over on Christmas Eve and uh, you know, gets up and and away we go. And we have uh, also, though, I've uh, incorporated my own family tradition now as uh, I get Cinezeo buns on Christmas morning. What? Cinez- it's like cinnamon buns, but Cinezeo is the name of the brand. And they have, and Tyler would know about it, but they have this special sauce that is unreal, man. And, and with the brown sugar, and then you buy it in the box and you heat it up in the stove. So they come out like they're fresh baked cinnamon buns and they are unbelievable. They're probably about 500 calories in a small little bun, but I don't care. So it's, come on, uh, buddy. I'm like denting my table over here. This ain't right. Yeah, seriously. But it you is lost the- me at the back bacon though. I can't, I don't like back bacon. What? It's I like back bacon. It's too chewy. It's too... Oh, yeah. No, you've never had good back bacon. It's not the right consistency. It it ruins. It shouldn't even have the name bacon attached to it. (laughs) No, back bacon. But see, you got to remember, we grew up on a farm. So we had a butcher. We had all of our own fresh made stuff. So you might, because you get even some bacon you buy in the store. I'm telling you, when you get the fresh right from your own pig, it's a different level, man. Like How many pigs did you have at your house? um, Over the years, like we would... Well, I probably at the peak of our pig raising days, I think we probably had about uh, uh, probably eight to 10 sows. And uh, and then they would always like pigs would have piglets every three months, three weeks and three days. So you could have uh, you'd have a lot of piglets. You could have two, three uh, sets a year. So and what would you do? Yeah, sell them? Yeah, you'd fatten the you know, you you have the, the pig and then, uh, you know, you make because the one thing about pigs. The real people don't know this. People always call it a pigsty, which is funny because pigs are the only animal that if you put it in a pen, they don't shit where they eat. They will poop in one corner and their foods in another corner. They don't mix. 
where you put a cow or a horse in a pen, they're dropping logs all over the place. I don't really care. Oh, but pigs are actually really smart. They will not shit where their food is. Okay. And so, um, but so when you have the pigs, you know, they have piglets and you can have up to 10 and eight to 14 piglets. And then usually I yeah, would fatten them up till they're about 30 pounders. And then you uh, send them off Away you go. So, um, so yeah, but like, did, did you become like attached to any of these? Pig- like, did, did they have names? I never named our pigs cows. We always had names for, but our pigs never had. Now the sows I would keep for a long time, but the piglets were, you know what? The piglets were up and gone. So you had them like, there was no connection to me. And, but and even so, but like, like you, you're eating the bacon and you're not like, Oh, well I'm eating uh whatever Charlotte. Well, no, because if t- normally, if I wanted to fatten up a pig, then I would send it to our neighbors. Cause we'd send three there and they would just fatten them up because we didn't have the, because it's just kind of a waste in our pen if I'm just uh, fattening them up. So you need a bigger operation for that. So we would usually put one or two at the neighbors. So I what, wouldn't see him for six months. So it's out of sight, out of mind. I don't so care. What, what, you're like, what do you need to do to fatten up a pig? Well, they got to grow, right? Like when I sell the piglet at, at six weeks old, there's not enough food there. And it's like selling a calf. I don't eat veal. It's gross. So you got to wait. Like to oh. butcher a cow you is don't a thousand eat veal? pounds. No, veal is disgusting. Oh, and my God. Dude, I, I can't even. Don't even. I. I, I'll tell I you why, in, but Frank, it's it's how you get veal that's disgusting. To I me. get that, but I don't really care. Yeah. I don't want to know. I don't want to think oh, about well, it. I, well, I, I know. Two yeah. weeks ago, three weeks ago, I had this bone-in veal cutlet, pounded thin, fried, no. parm style. Oh my god, no. dude, so no, no. good. I don't like the veal, but uh, pigs. Usually, you'd fatten up a, a good pig. You'd fatten them up to about two fifty. 200, 250 pounds, and you're getting a lot of meat on that. You're getting the ham, you're getting the pork chops, you're getting the And they're bacon. only six months old? Uh, pig at 200 pounds. Yeah, probably six to, to nine months old. That's yeah. it? And then dead. They're gone. Yeah. Nighty night. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for the ham. Dude, it's pretty good. Yeah. Now, I don't I don't eat pig's feet. I've tried it once. Not my thing. I know it's a real delicacy. What else for some would you people. so you'd have bacon, back bacon, bacon, have, back bacon, pork loin, pork chops. Um so you would you eat all those? You'd oh eat, God, you'd yeah. eat the pork. Yeah. Like, no, I, I, like I mean, I know that's normal, but I'm saying and, and the, when the you send your good. pig to a butcher, you just get like a freezer full of shit or what? Oh yeah, like you and so that's the key. A lot of people don't understand. Like the butcher, like we we would feed our pigs properly so that we never feed them any shit. And so it was always healthy and good food like that. Like slot buckets, they love it. Like pigs can pigs can eat anything, man. Like we have a slot bucket when you're at the farm, and so all your banana peels and eggshells and everything, and then you throw it in the pig pen, they eat all of it. They love it. So um, So like you throw a banana peel in there, they eat a banana peel. Oh yeah, pigs digestive system. They can crush anything. Dude, they're like like a garburetor composting systems. Yep, yeah, it's very true. Oh no, trust me. You would take pig manure, Frank. If you want a good garden, you would uh, you take the pig manure and you spread it across your. It's the greatest fertilizer you'll ever have. It's unreal. Holy shit! Literally. Yeah, yeah. No, it is. So people, if you're anybody out there is having a this, ah, geez, nothing's growing. Go get some good fresh, probably that's good two years. So it's you know it's nice and fresh in a pile of either cow uh, or uh, or pig shit, and it's the best manure you'll have. Even chicken, but it kind of reeks. But I'm more so pig and cow. Where, like, uh, uh, first off, I don't even know where to begin on this. Where would you go to get this? Well, you just go to a farm. Most people have it at their farm, right? Just they go to a farm and say, hey, their manure. Yeah. It's like, dude, it's, to clean it up all the time, like usually we would push ours and when we leave it like in a big berm, right? And it would uh, sit there for a few years and then we would turn it over and, and then you spread years? it across. 
Yeah, because then you spread it across your field and it works as fertilizer. It's great. <laughs> so when I, so I lived near a farm when I was a kid and every six months or so we'd smell. It reeks. Yeah. It, it yeah, would smell for miles. Spreader. So what happened? Yeah. Did, did they turn it over? What makes it? No, they probably took their manure spreader and spread their manure across the field because it works as a fertilizer. And that's when you smell it. Yeah. But what? where do you leave it on your property in the meantime so you're not gagging on it every day? Well, but it doesn't smell. It's funny. It doesn't smell when it piles up. It's weird, right? It's when you start to spread it out because now you're releasing all, because you have like, our piles would be, because when you have set, and then some farms have a, th- you know, 300 cows. Think about how much shit that is. And it's all in one area in the winter time. And then when the winter is done and you've straw, we would shovel, we would take the tractor and put all of the straw and all the cow crap. And you just pile it up into one big pile. And it, it doesn't it also stink. Work, it works. No, it doesn't stink. Cause then it works. You ever go like in a porta potty? A porta potty reeks. Why is the same thing not apply? Well, because there's straw, right? Mixed in. There's no straw in a porta potty. Right. And the porta potty's down the hole. It's not getting a lot of air to it. Right. Plus, there's <laughs> the methane and stuff. Yeah. The gas is like this way. At least it's spreading out. <clears throat> oh, God. Yeah. But trust me, buddy, it's uh, it's unreal. So anybody out there who's had fresh, I'll tell you, Frank, let's next time you're here, I will have you and I'll get we'll have a steak that's fresh cut and you'll be like. I have never eaten steak like this. It's a good All right, idea. so the, we got to this rewind because we're talking about Christmas and Christmas morning, and then that got us into pigs and a lot of different talk. But yeah, Jason Greger, you had like fresh, you've had fresh, legit bacon before, and I'm kind of jealous. Oh, buddy, fresh bacon. So Christmas morning, I agree with you, Frank. Bacon is a must-have on Christmas morning. No question about it. And uh, you want the right cut. A bit. Don't cheap out. I hate people that buy those skinny little crap bacon things. And by the time they fry it up, it's about, you know, like a half the size of what yeah. it was when it was. It looks like my, my t-shirt collar after wearing it for a whole day, just straight up scraggled. Yeah. Crap. Yeah. It looks terrible. So don't get that. Like don't cheap out on bacon. There's certain things in life you should never cheap out on. Bacon is one of them. And if you're, if you're not watching on YouTube, you, you're missing out on Jason's Christmas blazer. I don't know where one even buys such a thing. Oh, buddy, I got that. Uh, we, ha- we have a plaid party every year. Well, we had a plaid party every year for probably eight or nine years. And so I've got about four different ones, but this was my Christmas theme one. It's awesome. Got it specially made. And I got my favorite Christmas sweater on. It says, you can't drink all day if you don't start in the morning. <laughs> It's very true. Hey, another, so we've talked about some food Christmas traditions. I'm sure everybody out there has them. Send it to us on Twitter. What's your, send me a picture of your favorite like Christmas food. Cause I got a few, my mom makes this other jelly kind of um, dessert. That's unreal. I don't even know what's in it, but uh, I eat it every year. I don't even know what she calls it, but uh, we always have it on boxing day. Cause that's when my whole extended family gets together and it's outstanding. So do you have any food other than bacon no. that you look forward to? None. We don't do the seven uh, fishes, the traditional Italian feast. Um, to be honest. And I, I know she doesn't listen cause she doesn't like sports and she doesn't even really pay attention to me. My mom uh, is a terrible cook. Uh, so we, that's kind of the one big thing is like, if we're wrote, you know, we rotate every year. We live so close to um, my in-laws as well. It's like, Oh man, we got to go to, got to go to my mom's house for Christmas. Oh, the company's great. The drinks are good, but the food is, well, maybe you got to get skipped the dishes on Christmas. Well, yeah, we, we, we need a, uh, we need a DoorDash holiday hack. 
is what we yeah, yeah, exactly. That's good. Very good. Now, uh, another Christmas tradition that it starts on Boxing Day for hockey fans, of course, is the World Juniors. And uh, to talk the World Juniors, we brought in our uh, our junior analyst. Well, this guy knows everything about pretty much uh, every prospect out there from Daily Faceoff. Stephen Ellis uh, joins us, who who did put in the uh, chat before we came on air that he's missing the Canadian beef. So he, he knows Alberta beef is where it's at, Steve. I used to live in Calgary, so I, I know how good it could be. But uh, it's not the same here in Ontario. No, it isn't. I know. It, it, people don't understand why. It just isn't. It's. I've had steak in Ontario, and I'm like, come on. This is like a. It's like a C cut compared to the A or A plus that we'll get. Uh, what about Triple A Alberta beef? Oh, hundred percent by A plus. Unreal. And by the way, Black Angus is a little bit better. Just saying. Uh, Stevie, the uh, the World Juniors gets going tomorrow on uh, Boxing Day, and uh, Sweden a lot. You know they're hosting this year. Lots of people are are pretty high on the Swedes. Where do you come out on them? It's hard to trust the Swedes. You you kind of see them at all these international tournaments year after year, where they look like one of the favorites, and then they just completely fall apart. I think with this team, even without Leo Carlson. They've got the good offensive depth. They've got the good def- uh, good defensive options. I'm a little worried about their goaltending. But I think, you know, this is as good of a Swedish group that we've seen in recent years. And I kind of hope that we that they can impress those fans at home. But I don't know. A lot of people are having them gold or silver. I'm, I just, I'm not buying it yet. So I was in Sweden for the Global Series, Stephen. And I'm not kidding you. They literally had a coaches summit where they talked about how broken their development system is because they haven't won. And I find that to be kind of ridiculous. First off, they had that incredible streak. Is it still going in the preliminary round? No, broke, I think 2020 or 2021. 58 game, something crazy, some crazy number. They won 50 plus games in a row Yeah, in the, in the round Robin part. And they haven't broken through, but I'm, I'm looking at it saying, look at all their great players that end up in the NHL every year, the third largest nation in terms of developing NHL players. Nothing's broken, is it? See, they care a lot about their international results. Obviously, they want to send players to the NHL, but you look at their, their men's team. They haven't won gold since 2018. They haven't won silver since 2011. Like they don't. It's It's been kind of difficult on that front. And then you look at, the junior teams, obviously, the last time they won the World Juniors was like 2012, and it's been very difficult for them. The under-18 team has started to show some promise, and I think that's why so many people are talking about this group, where the last two years, they have made it to the finals of the under-18s. They won it two years ago, and they they lost just last year to the United States. Um, so they keep developing players. Like That's not a problem. I think still, if we put a best-on-best, best, Sweden would still be pretty competitive, but they care a lot about these international tournaments, and they're not coming home with the success they probably should be. And I'm guessing it hurts even more because their biggest rival always finds a way to show up and get in the medals. Finland is the team at the world juniors. That's like, they're always in it and they're the best bronze medal country going by far. Yeah. It's funny. There was a time where the Finns, it was like at this tournament specifically, it was either they won gold or they would come in eighth or come in ninth. It was kind of just never, there was a one year when it was in Canada and they were playing Latvia in the, in the uh, relegation round. Like that was crazy considering I'm pretty sure they won the year before that. So the Finns, it's hit or miss, but the one thing they do so well is 
they're they're structured no matter what tournament they're playing in. They don't need to have a star player. Like this year, their best player is Consta Hellenius, and he's not drafted yet. He's 2024 draft prospect. But with this fin- finished group, it's just like they commit to defense. They commit to hardworking players. They they kind of are just like a bunch of four-flying grinders fighting out for every single shift they, they're on, and it works out. Like, Let's not forget the 2019 World Championship. They had zero NHL players on their team. Kevin Lankinen was the goalie at the time. He was kind of an unknown quantity. And they went out there and beat Canada in the gold medal game. And it's because just no matter what tournament they're playing and they just they get together, they work hard. And with this Finnish group, they've been playing together at different tournaments. So they come into these things pretty prepared, especially on the home ice. I don't have them doing super well this year, but that's typical. When I, when I doubt them is when they go out there and win gold and shock everybody. So... Canada, Finland, and U.S. have won the last 12 tournaments. Canada five or 11, excuse me. Canada five, U.S. and uh, Sweet uh, Finland have each won three. Um, you know, Canada and the U.S. Canada. This is the first time they went back to back since like 2008, 2009. But uh, the U.S. coming in anyway, Steve. Most people have the U.S. as as the favorite, and and you know they got one of their best players or captain now is healthy and cleared for the tournament. Uh, give me your assessment of Team USA. Easily the favorite to win this whole thing. And I wrote about yes. this in a preview. It's if you're an American, you're going to like this. Um, going back to the U18s, you know, they did win the U18s last year. And a lot of those players, Will Smith, Gabe Perot, uh, Ryan Leonard, they're going to be there. They've got some unbelievable goaltending and Trey Augustine and Jacob Fowler. Like those two would be the starting goalie on any other team in this tournament. And they're going to share the net here. That's pretty cool. Uh, and this the pure talent at every position. The defense is considered probably their weak point, maybe even a weak point con- compared to Canada. And it's got Lane Hudson on there. It's got Seamus Casey, and they're two of the best college defensemen. Zeev Bouillon, I think a lot of people are going to really see how good of a prospect he is. He's a 2024 NHL draft prospect. But then we're looking at Cutter Goche. Again, Will Smith, Ryan Leonard, Rucker McGordy. The, the scoring options are so good to the point where they didn't need to bring Cole Eisenman, one of the top pro players for 2024. They didn't have to bring the top prospect for 2025 and James Haggins. Quinton Musty's dominating. And I do want to share just one quick story. I did mention it before, but um, with, with Sam Hillebrand, the third goalie for USA, I just think it's such a cool story that last year he was playing junior C hockey and he got brought on to Barry as an emergency backup one night. Now he's the third goalie of the USA World Junior Team. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's a crazy story to go from Junior C to the World Juniors in one year's period of time, not even. Um, You mentioned uh, for the US, no Cole Iserman. And for me, he's been the guy that's... I'm always looking at the World Juniors through a draft lens. Like, yes, it's it's impressive to see which guys that have already been picked take a step forward. But with so much eyes on Macklin Celebrini for Canada, the fact that Iserman isn't here, what is what do you take from that? What does it mean anything in terms of his draft stock? Will it hurt him? I, I felt he was a long shot to make the team regardless. And I don't think it'll, it'll hurt, uh, hurt his draft talks, uh, talking to some scouts uh, at the USA camp. A lot didn't expect him to be there just because his game is built around scoring goals. And clearly he's able to do that this year. But there's a lot of guys who could do that on this team. That's why Quinton Musty wasn't invited to camp either, despite him putting up like a 110-point pace in the OHL. When it comes to to um, Iserman, it's 
uh, he wasn't going to play a third line role for this team. He wasn't going to play a fourth line role. There were guys who did, you know, the defensive side of game a bit better. Uh, my thought, maybe if he did make it, it'd be the 13th forward. But then even then, I would argue that James Haggins would have fit that role a bit better. So I don't think it hurts his ranking too much. This is just one little sample size. I guess it does. It's it's worth noting he has been hurt for a little bit too. Um, so. Who knows if he would have been able to go regardless. I would have loved to see him at camp. It's not like it was far for him to go. It's the same arena that he plays in. Um, but I think with him, it's just... it. His game is not an all-around dominant display yet. And I think that's something he's going to work on in college. Uh, so... I In my pre-tournament roster projections, I never had him making the team. So it doesn't surprise me. But I wish he was there just to see how good he could have done, uh, maybe in a power play role type thing. So Cole Eiserman, as mentioned, uh, was number two on your board in your preseason rankings. Um, he has 27 goals in 23 games uh, with the U.S. under 18 team, which is a crazy number. Um, so let me take this a step further then and tell me if this is a, a bridge too far. Does the fact that Iserman doesn't make the U.S. team and Macklin Celebrini is expected to play a huge role on Team Canada's team, they're both draft-eligible players, both the same age, may go one and two in the draft this year. The fact that Celebrini is being asked to play such a significant, potentially pivotal role for Canada, and Iserman is even on the U.S. team, does it speak to the level of disparity between the two programs at all, or am I am I too, am I a bridge too far? No, I wouldn't say that. I think just Celebrini is just such a unique player. Like you look at him, and you know, talking to some scouts, some coaches that will compare him to Sidney Crosby and mm-hmm. and Jonathan Taze from a stylistic perspective. No one's expecting him to become a top five player in the NHL right away, but I think the way he plays such a strong two-way game, the way he just commits to everything. He's got the skill. He He's throwing a lot more hits than I remember watching him uh, in the USHL. He's just kind of a special beast where, you know, if you're also just looking from a, you know, a talent perspective, Canada's missing a lot of its best players here. Zach Benson's not there. Um, obviously, Connor Bedard, Adam Fantilli. Like, Celebrini would not have played such a big role if Canada was at full strength. While the Americans, you're looking at them and... Yeah, the, the the scoring depth is is great, but they I feel like the Americans have a bit more you know guys who are just strong defensively, where they've got those that really stacked top six. But then you look at the bottom six, and there's more about the speed and the the own zone defensive play. While Canada is a bit more about trying to use the skill, so I think it's kind of also a coaching difference and how they like to look at the two teams, but. I don't think Celebrini would be playing this big of a role if he was playing one more year in the USHL. If he, I think the fact that he's been playing college already and has been able to play against older competition, and the only other guy on this Canadian team that's been able to do that is Matthew Wood, kind of just shows to just how quality of a player Celebrini is more than the difference between the two programs, I'd say. So I hate throwing out the term generational. I hate, hate, hate. It's so overused. We, we need to have a clear delineation for me in terms of when a player gets that tag. You know, too often people were building up different dr- number one draft picks over the years, whether it was Alexi Lafreniere or whoever it might be, attaching tags and titles to them that they didn't deserve. It was last year at this tournament that Connor Bedard actually kind of broke through. And we had this discussion with Craig Button on the same pod where he said, you know what, I had to change my mind and had to make him a generational talent because he had done something at this tournament, at this level that really no one had done since Wayne Gretzky is 
how far away is Celebrini from that tag? Or is he is he close to it already? Like what he's done this year has been incredibly impressive. You know what? I, I don't want to use the word generational because I, I want to compare him closer to Adam Fantilli. I think those are that's a good comparison as a guy that comes into college in their draft year and just dominates. Fantilli was a year older, had an extra year junior than Celebrini, which is why what Celebrini's doing is incredible. Um I we had the generational player last year. We can't have another generational player. Well, you can. After. You had yeah. McDavid and Matthews back to back years. Sure. Like, yeah. Sure. It happens. I, I don't know. I'm I still put McDavid in his own category. Um, well, he is, first, and he probably yeah. will be forever. I, yeah. In terms what about of Cros- what about Crosby and Ovi? Okay, yeah, no, I, that, that's a good point. I, I, I still, I, I'm thinking he's closer to Fantilli than he is to um, Bedard. To Bedard, and I don't think we're calling Fantilli a generational player. I think Celebrini's going to be a top ten player in the NHL when he's at his full strength, but I don't think he's. I, I, I can't call him a generational right now. Like I, I'd almost look at this tournament and. 10 points would be a huge, great moment for him. We can't compare him to obviously what Connor Bedard did last year because no one's going to do that again. And oh, now, but course, just to be clear, yeah. this exact time last year, we were yeah. not saying Bedard generational. I was personally. Uh, I Everyone, at least that I was talking to in the scouting community, they were like, great player, unbelievable, stone cold number one pick, not generational. I was at the time I was looking at him and Meechkoff in the same, like these guys are going to be game changing in the NHL to a level we haven't seen since McDavid. I personally was on the Bedard train very early, but the world juniors really cemented that he was more than just going to be a superstar. I think. Yeah. Well, I'm probably in the minority. I'm like generational. I agree. I think generational gets over you sometimes. And, I'm going to have to see more from Bedard. I think guys got to show like five years in the NHL. Then we can start talking about them as generational players. That's just me. But if there is one guy who's not in the tournament, Steve, that I want to talk about because Frank was talking about Iserman and he's had an unreal year, 27 goals so far this season. Well, there, there is a kid in, in medicine at, I saw him live for the, and literally his first two shifts. I was like, I, I thought he was, geez, well, who drafted this guy? He's huge. Six foot three, 215 pounds. He skates. He hits. He's got an unreal shot. Caden Lindstrom for the Medicine Hat Tigers. I didn't make Team Canada, but I want this this kid, Steve, in the two games that I've watched him, he blew my mind. Just you don't see guys that big, that strong. He's got a he's like a power forward. He's got a little edge to his game. What do you make of Lindstrom? And how high do you think by the end? Because I, I see him on your latest board. I think you had him seventh. How high do you think he goes? Uh, talking to some scouts at the Candace Camp, thought he can go number three. Like that's the thing about this. I think this year's draft, it's clear who the number one is, but then you look at second to maybe eighth or ninth. It's a lot closer than I think a lot of people expected it to be. I thought a lot of people maybe would have, it would have been a Ivan Demidov and Cole Eisenman would have stole the show. Demidov dealt with an injury. And I think that hurt him in some ways uh, because there are some points that I've seen him recently where he's not as engaged as he used to be. But with Lindstrom, like I know a lot, it was like at first, a late first round pick, maybe, but then he really showed a lot more than just being a big guy out there. With yes. WHL players, they have a much more unique development curve because they typically get an extra year or at least a good chunk of that extra year um, playing in the WHL compared to the other CHL guys who have to wait. But with Lindstrom, he shows he's a lot more than just someone who can just knock people over. Yeah, he plays physical. He's on pace for like 150 penalty minutes this year, but he's also on pace for about 100 points. Um, I would have loved to see him 
get a chance to see if this Canada team, because the way yeah. he works, that work ethic would have, I think he would have forced himself onto the team in some way over someone like Owen Allard or Carson Raykopf. But with just the way that Lidstrom just physically dominates, the best way to compare him, and I, I know you guys probably didn't watch a lot of Quinton Byfield or the York Simcoe Express, but watching him go out there and just crush everybody and then score. Like one time I saw Byfield throw a hit on a one-on-one, knock the guy down and then went and still scored a really nice goal. That's what you see with Lindstrom. He's just built on power. And a guy like that's going to have a good career. Uh, and, and his skating's really good for his size too. You see these bigger guys and they can't skate and then they're, they're kind of limited in a way, but we're not, that's not an issue here. So I had him at seven in my last draft board. I, I haven't, fully finalized my next one, but he is going to be higher than number seven. You know, it's, it's funny when I was watching that game, we were sitting in the crowd with my, my U 11 hockey team. And then we walked up to, uh, to get some food and sitting at the top of my section was Jerome Aginla because he was in town for, uh, his coaches, his, uh, his son's hockey team. So I, I know Iggy. So I went over where you chatted and I right away or saw, I know who you noticed in, you know, Lidstrom right away. Or, and I was just like, he's like a young Jerome. And he goes, I was never that big or that fast. Like, you know, now obviously I'm not saying it could be Jerome, but he, uh, it was, it was interesting that he was there because I don't, you know, he's got a little bit of an edge to his game that Jerome had like Jerome would, was not afraid to drop the gloves every now and then you just don't see that anymore from a lot of players. And I think that's an added element that is so hard to find in hockey players. It's almost like if Yuri Slavkovsky was like, if, if, he could take what makes Lindstrom so dominant, he would be a significantly better NHL player. It's just, he knows how to use his size to his advantage. He's willing to drop the gloves. He's got the energy. He's chirping at players and then he backs it up with goals. It's like a guy like that's going to be a fan favorite. So um, I haven't had a chance to see him in person yet, but just from watching those games, it's, you see something special there. You you mentioned Jerome Aginla. His son is a first round pick this year and off to a great start. Where's he going to end up on your board? Oh, yeah. I, I'm thinking, you know, f- some people have them pretty high. I know some are looking at 14, 15. I, I got him at 16 in my most recent board. I think he's kind of a mid first round guy. Uh, he's got the smarts. Uh, he knows how to score. You know, last year watching him with Seattle, it looked like he was miscast and didn't play a lot. Uh, was basically nowhere to be found in the playoffs type thing. And uh, watching him this year just looks like a guy who really had to prove to himself that he could be a first round pick because there were high expectations. You look at his name and you look at the pedigree of that family. And uh, I think he had to really prove to himself what he could do. And last year was not a really good showing of that. This year, it's a different story. Everything seems to be going in. He's got a great shot. Kelowna's a lot of fun to watch. They got Andrew Kristall too. And we know the offense he was able to contribute last year and this year. But with Aginla, I think, you know, he's a fir- mid first rounder um, who, if he keeps scoring at this rate, I wouldn't be surprised if a team picks him up a little earlier uh, just because I think the ceiling's pretty high there, but I- I'm comfortable at 15, 16 right now. 25 goals in 32 games. Pretty Dude. decent start with the Kelowna Rockets. Hey, the, the WHL this year, Steve has, uh, I think they have, five of the top six goal scorers of draft eligible players who have 20 goals so far, right? Lidstrom. And you mentioned a Ginla Paris Jack out of Prince George, um, uh, Berkeley cat out of the Spokane chiefs. And I think Tanner Howe's up to 20 goals too. So I haven't seen that in a long time out of the dub. No, which is funny because you look at last year and that was the year where all the, the WHL kids were coming from. And of course, you know, look at all this and there's still Gavin McKenna coming through and all the hype for him in, in 2026. But yeah, the WHL is a good league to watch this year. Like Riley Height, uh, obviously drafted by Minnesota 
last year and somehow didn't make the world junior team and he's having a good time. But Prince George, I remember those days when Prince George was a terrible team to watch and I would do TV hits there. And it's like, are we making the playoffs next year? We're making the playoffs next year. And it was just like, (laughs) eventually it was going to pay off. And it did. And you see all those guys that are are, are scoring there. And and Parasak's one of those who 26 goals this year, over 50 points already, you know, not on anyone's radar heading into the season. Now he's looking like a first round pick. Some people point out and say, Oh, he's playing with some great quality players. Like, of course he's going to produce, but he's driving a lot of that play and kind of like Gabe pro last year. Goals are goals. Those aren't easy to come by. If you're scoring them, people notice. So uh, the WHL has been the league to watch this year. Once again, in in the NHL draft compared to, you know, the OHL and QMJHL the last couple of years, it's, it's been a strong year. So let's, let's get back to world junior. Um, Team Canada, you mentioned the Americans' clear favorites. How good is this Team Canada team? I, I still think it's a very good team, a lot better than people are giving them credit for. You know, obviously going out there and getting Matthew Patra helps uh, out of Boston. Celebrini is as good as he is. I feel like people just forget Matt Savoy exists a lot of the time because he's a dominant junior player. Uh, defensively, Denton Matechuk's having a great year. Uh, I would Matejchuk not want to go is a stud. He is, yeah. I do not want to have to go one on one with uh, um, Maverick Lamoureux, six foot six, six foot seven, just an absolute beast, and he makes it clear he's huge. Uh, Noah Warren's also big at six foot five. The big question for me is who the goalie is going to be. Mathis Rousseau, I think, is the one with the bit of the favorite. Uh, Coach Allen Tang really liked him in camp. But he's small, 5'11", undrafted. You know, the odds are against him. But we saw last year what happened to Thomas Milch, a small undrafted goalie that stole the show. And, you know, small goalies don't typically do that well in the NHL. World juniors are a different story because most of these guys are still playing junior hockey and it's that's okay. So I think with with this Canadian team, they've got enough depth, enough skill, and a lot of hardworking guys, guys like Easton Cowan and and players like that will just continue to grind you out. They're going to be a difficult team to play against. They're just not my pick for metal because they don't have the pure talent the United States does. But the Czechia and, you know, like they won back-to-back years, but it's 20 years ago, right? And they really haven't been you know, overly competitive since. What's kind of gone wrong there? And do you see any light at the end of the tunnel? Good question. I think the Czechs would love to know what has gone wrong over the, their time period of, of like, they basically have not competed for a medal outside of last year since I've watched this tournament. So uh, it's, it's been a while, but there are better days coming forward. I think this year they're no longer a sleeper underdog option. I think you got to keep them in that crowd with Canada, USA, Sweden, Finland. Uh, we saw what they did last year and obviously came very close to winning gold and they even beat Canada in that first game. And they've got one of the best players in the tournament, Yuri Kulik, the Buffalo Sabres prospect, just another dominant season in the AHL. I, I feel vindicated that he's been so good because he was someone that I said, like is going to be the biggest deal of the draft when he got taken where he was because uh, just putting up great numbers with the national team and always seemed to produce when I watched him. It's like he, he scores, he puts bucks in the net. It works. And he showed that in the last two world juniors where he's been their most important player. So this year that's good. They don't have a ton of high end talent outside of that, but they do have a big goalie in, in Michael Rabel, six foot six, who 
is having a decent year in the, as an NCAA rookie, 18 years old, going to be the goalie next year. My one concern is we've seen him at the Halenka, we've seen him at the U18s just fall apart when medals are on the line and when things start to really matter. So we'll see what happens here. But the Czechs are just, they're another team kind of like the Finns that have more adopted this grinding mentality of like, okay, well, we don't have the skill of Canada. We don't have the skill of USA. We got to find ways to win. And last year, it was just rolling four lines of full energy. And, and we're going to see that again this year. So uh, I, I, they're definitely in the medal conversation. I wouldn't be surprised if they snuck in and got third. Don't think they're going to get gold this year, but last year was that was the, my underdog pick to win it all, and they came pretty close. The Columbus Blue Jackets have been an absolute shit show this year. We've <laughs> talked about it. Um, David Yurichek, I think, is already their second best um, defenseman right now. His brother uh, Adam, how is he in your top ten somewhere? And and how good could he be? And and an impact guy for the Czechs. He is in my top 10. I had him 10th in 10th my last rankings. And um, yeah, it's it, it, he's coming off an injury. So we'll have to see kind of how healthy he is um, at this point. Uh, but watching him play this year, you know, you look at the stats and you're not seeing a whole lot. He's got one point all year long, but he's such a smart player. And Holinka Gretzky really showed that where he's play he was playing heavy minutes playing 25 26 minutes a night and was blocking shots playing power play power, playing penalty kill and then from a stylistic standpoint there's actually a lot of similarities between him and his brother i did like david a bit more at the same age i thought david was just a step above everybody but he's got some size he's got some reach there's a lot of power in a shot i feel like the fact that he hasn't produced at all in the Czech league this year is not a sign of any issues it's more of you know it's tough for a young guy like that to be getting a lot of opportunities and he's not always playing against the best competition uh, or with his, the best comp- uh, best players on his own team. But your checks to me, it might be a, I think it's a lock to be a top four defenseman in the NHL when he gets, uh, makes it over. I wouldn't be shocked if he follows kind of a similar career path, go to the AHL next year and just see what he could do there. But I, I'm very high on him of all the top quality defensemen in this draft. There's one that consistently stays consistent uh, in all the viewings. And that's your check. <laughs> Steve, um, for fun, who's winning? USA. USA is winning gold. And uh, every time I pick them, they tend to lose. But uh, this year, I just, they really need to screw things up to fall apart here this year. They just, they're deep. Is, awesome. Uh, quick question is, is Mons Goose, is he a net for Sweden? <laughs> no, did he make the team? Uh, no, he is not. He did not make this team. He's an intriguing guy at 6'5". Another guy that's on on the radar. He is, yes. The Swedes have some pretty good goaltenders coming up, and that seems to be a good factory, but it's kind of weird where this year their goalie is probably Hugo Havlid at 5'11", a small goalie, but he's the coach's son, and he typically oh. plays pretty well for Sweden, so that helps. <laughs> so Steve, give, me, uh, give, us your, give us your medal ranking, your, your medal table. What is it? I'm going USA for gold. I think Canada's going to win their group, which will give them a slightly better chance of making the finals. So I'm giving them second. Going Sweden in third. Um picking I'm, I'm gonna go bold and say slovakia comes fourth i think the slovaks are the underdog team to watch this Ooh. year u.s nice. canada final just take it and hook it right into my veins yes at 11 a.m eastern i'm pretty sure so not exactly the most ideal time for us uh but it'll be on a friday though hey, why not and it's a friday it's you and and look Stephen ellis as as everyone just witnessed on on our chat today no one on the planet watches more hockey than you. And I, I say that, and I truly believe it. I think scouts that are at 300 NHL, 300, not NHL games, but 300 games a year do not see as much hockey as you. 
I'm going to two games tonight alone. So it's, I guess that works. Kai I'm going to watch three games machine. this afternoon. <laughs> Take some time off, sir. No such thing. All right, buddy. Have a good one. Yes, you too. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. As uh, Stephen Ellis joining us from uh, Daily Face Off. Yeah, his, his write-ups on the players, um, you know, obviously just sitting and chatting with Steve. And, uh, you know, you see he knows all the players. He watches so much. And he, 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 he'll watch, like, Division Three and other leagues just looking yeah, for you're some like, obscure dude, guy. What, like, what are you doing? But you know what? It. It's good for him. He knows lots of different players. But uh, I'm telling you, Frank, you watch out for uh, – um, it's, it's been a while. Like, obviously, I'd say – people say it's been a while. But Bedard obviously was elite. But that Lidstrom kid, we haven't seen a power forward like that in a long time. And you know what? There's, it's, I know it's power forward and junior is very different than power forward in the NHL. Whichever team drafts them, be smart. Like, look at the LA Kings, right? Um, you take time with those huge bodies and frames. It takes a while, but you're starting to see the benefits uh, for them, right, this year. And whoever drafts Lidster, man, I'd, I'd tell you, Frank, I would say I would have no problem saying he's going back to junior next year for sure. Because I know they're all going to be attempted to put him in the NHL at that age. It would be, I think it'd be foolish. I would send him back to junior next year for sure. At 19, then you can have the conversation. But next year, I put him back in junior, let him dominate, go to the world juniors, and then come back. But uh, we've seen way too many teams rush top five picks recently. It doesn't work. Yeah. By the way, I've had a, a few... Um... NHL front office members, directors of amateur scouting, GMs, assistant GMs, they'll call me and they'll say, who is Stephen Ellis? I say, well, why do you ask? They say, well, I, I read your stuff on, I read his stuff on your site and his, his, he, he knows what he's talking about. He's really good. And I say, mm -hmm. yeah, it's because he's, he's doing the work. Yeah, he checks it out. I love it. Uh, let's bring in uh, Ty Uremchuk for our uh, Christmas special edition on the DFO Rundown. Speaking of not doing the work, let's bring in Tyler Uremchuk. Am I right? <laughs> yeah, I've never gotten any calls being like, hey, who's this Uremchuk guy? 
Ah, classic. Uh, all right. I'm doing things a little bit differently today for my segment, but as always, it is delivered by DoorDash for a limited time. Once again, our Canadian listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when they download the DoorDash app and use the promo code NATION25. You're sitting around over the next couple of days, this whole holiday week, you really don't want to be doing cooking. You should be relying on DoorDash. Later this week for lunch, DoorDash in some Wendy's. It works. It works. Um, all right. I'm not doing fill in the blank. I'm not doing buy or sell. Instead, today, guys, I'm presenting you with my Christmas Grinch list. It is the five things that I hate the most or that I dislike the most about the holiday season. So I'm going to go from five Ooh. down to one. Interested for your takes on these. One of them sports theme. The rest are just kind of general. But number five. It's watching that one team that doesn't belong in the World Juniors just get them just get pumped in every single game. You're sitting you there Norway? watching the kids be all sad. You're you're all caught up in the holidays. You're happy. And then you have to watch like whatever team Denmark just get smoked 12-1 every single day. It's sad. This year, I think it's Norway, right? Yeah, like I feel for them, you know, the Norwegians just I don't know. Uh, but it, it, I think the what, whole. What about though, when they get the win or a tie and they celebrate like it's a cup? Those are great. But you get one about one every ten years. Yeah, yeah. It takes. It's a long time in between. I was gonna say um, the tournament kind of definitely has a different flavor not having Russia. And I'm not making a geopolitical statement one way or the other. I'm just saying like there's some of the best players in the world, and they're just gone like not in the tournament it it changes the dynamic of it yeah totally oh, yeah kind, kind of like the nhl's ball. idea of a four-team tournament terrible yeah. i actually like that i think that's going to be amazing you know why so- why because the format of it is set up so that in a one-week span you're gonna you could potentially have three u.s canada matchups yeah that'd be all right yeah, yeah so the final yeah. is uh a well, it's act, it might be four. So, sorry, no, it's it's three. So it's Canada and the U.S. would put this just in case people haven't learned about this. Canada and the U.S. will f- square off twice in North America, and then they're taking like aggregate goal totals or something like that. And Sweden and Finland are playing in Europe. Is the that's the plan right now? And then those two teams are going to come over to North America, and they're going to cross over. So one will play two and two will play one. Then the winners of those semifinals will go to the best of three final. Hmm. So then it could technically play five times. Sorry, it might be winner take all. Either way, I'm sorry to, to lose you there. But the point is, maybe I just talked myself into a circle. Maybe we should have just had a seven game series best of, you know, best of seven U.S. Canada. Yeah, That would be a way to do the week. In 2025. All right. Uh, number four on my list for people listening, they can they can relate to this one. When you're at a function, sometimes with the in-laws and you get cornered by the one weird relative and you're stuck, you're screwed. You're at the table and you have absolutely nowhere to go. Another angle of this, Greg's, I'm sure you can relate to it. Everyone, there's always the one or two people, I should say, not everyone, always the one or two people who want to get way too into an Edmonton Oilers discussion. And I'm always like, man, the the last thing I want to do right now, December 25th at six o'clock is talk to you about Jack Campbell for 12 minutes. But when you get stuck in that conversation with the weird relative, that, that's got to yeah. make the list. So Tyler came to my house on Thanksgiving and he saw, he came to my parents' house. He saw some of the weird relatives that I have. My uncle wearing the dickie. 
Yeah. He he's been there. He's lived it. Uh, it's it can be a tough place. I think the nice thing for me, Tyler, and I don't know about you, Jay, but everyone in my fan, like if I see is like some random family friends or whatever, we're at a party, like they'll be like, oh, how are the Flyers doing? Like I like like I want to talk about the Flyers, but I think everyone in my family kind of knows now, like just not there's not a lot of hockey talk, which is kind of nice. You know what? I'm I'm pretty lucky. I don't really have the crazy relative on on my side, and my wife's side is so small. Like, oh, it's, it's always on her side, right? No, it isn't. She doesn't have one either. So I've never. I did have one though at a girlfriend many years ago. I went to their place at Christmas, and I was I was like ten minutes in, and their uncle was buckled, and I'm like, I was probably like twenty, and I was just like, it was shocked to my system. I never experienced it, and he was just a loon, and I was like, and like not for ten minutes, but like. It just got worse progressively the whole night. And I was like, this, I was just like, yeah, I can't see me being in this family. I'm out. Like, it was just, you know, like, really? that wasn't the reason. But seriously, dude, it was so uncomfortable, like, incredibly uncomfortable for probably like two hours. And I was like, I thought her dad was eventually just going to beat the living hell out of him. Like, it was unbelievable. I was just like, oh my God, I'd never experienced that. Because so, I used to see those movies and I was like, I never seen that. And then I go there and I was just like, okay, it is real. Like there are some, so I'm pretty lucky that that way. And, um, most of, uh, most of my, actually lots of our, like my immediate family, obviously my brother and sister, they're diehard Hawk sports fans, but lots of my other cousins aren't. So, uh, they don't really talk a lot of sports. It's uh, more talk business and stuff. So, which is nice. I was going to say that that girl must've been pretty hot. If you're going to withstand <laughs> that. Oh, dude. No, no. I said, I wouldn't. I'm like, oh, I'm out. It wasn't like, worth yeah, it. No, 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 no. All she right. was very attractive though. But Number three, not just wrapping gifts. Like I suck at wrapping gifts myself. I despise having to do it every holiday season. But then the second part, is cleaning up wrapping paper at the end of it. Everyone opens up their gifts and I'm someone who I don't like to just sit and look at it laying around. So I'm always going around cleaning it up. I absolutely hate one having to put in the work. And then like two days later, you're just like filling up recycling bags with this stuff. And it's like, why did I even do any of this? I hate wrapping gifts. So let me say the two most, three most oh, evil no, words. Don't do it, Frank. Language. Glitter wrapping paper. Oof. Oh, Okay. That sucks. That thing what? can absolutely go fuck itself. <laughs> it, you, uh, you, your, your floor, your couch, everywhere that your kid brought a present with glitter wrapping paper is covered in the stuff. You can't get it uh, off. You can't get it out. And I'm with you. I'm Tyler. I am always. I'm walking around with one of those big carpenter construction trash bags, the big black trash bag, just stuffing paper in it because I can't look at it. And Megan's always like, oh, well, just enjoy it. This is the holidays. Like, you know, you should sit around and have fun. Like, I don't leave trash on my floor. What is this? <laughs> Literal garbage everywhere. Um, all right. Num yeah. Number two on my list is the one that most makes me sound like a Grinch. It's giving hugs at the end of the Christmas party. I come from a family. We don't hug. I do not hug my dad. With my mom, you get one hug a year and it is on your birthday. And that is it. No other hugs. Amber's family, my in-laws. They hug everyone like when you go to if you're the first one to leave the holiday party, you need to hug all 35 people in attendance and go around the whole room. It's what they do. And it drives me nuts. I dread that more than anything, almost anything else on the holidays. I hate giving hugs. That's Jeez. bad. I don't think I've touched my dad in 30 years. No, I did. My like life, no I handshake, no hug, nothing. Really? <laughs> no, I. Uh, um. 
Well, my my father-in-law is definitely not a hugger. Um, my, my mother-in-law really isn't, but I make her become one just because, because I think a good hug is fine. But yeah, um, yeah, we're not, we're kind of in the middle. There's certain people that will give hugs, but then there's others that are just like a fist pump or a handshake now. So it's not, uh, it's not, that's, it's not too, un, uh, too oh, unnerving for me. I don't mind a good hug. Oh, like that's been the uh, best part of COVID. Come on. Is that you, no. it was suddenly socially acceptable to be like, ah, I don't have to hug anyone anymore. I consider oh, see, it. I don't, mind, I don't mind a good hug. It doesn't bother me. I just don't like the weenie hugs where like, it's obvious that you don't want to hug them and they don't want to hug you, well, but yeah. like, you're just sitting there like, Oh, well, I guess we should like, well, go all brutal. in buddy. Go all in now. I That's how it, it is. If you, no one needs my committed. fat ass belly pressed <laughs> against you. Like you just don't. <laughs> Sorry. Like we're good. <laughs> I make it a sport where I will like position my body during my exit so that like I don't even open up the window for a hug. Like I'm like shoulders in kind of like I stay distance. It's it's intense. Uh, all right. Number Dude, one. Ty, wait, Ty, every, Tyler, every listener now. Next time we see Tyler at a hockey game, hug him. This will be awesome. It's going to be awesome every time because his seats are in the section so I can see him where he sits. I'll be just like 10 bucks a hug. You can get a hug from your Amtrak. That'll be unreal. Tyler came with Amber to, for Thanksgiving. I dropped them off at the airport. Didn't even get out of the car. Smart. <laughs> yeah. Uh, That's the way to do it. It's unreal. All right. Number one, you guys might disagree with me on this. The thing I hate most about the holidays is eggnog. It is absolutely disgusting. No time and place for it. They what? should never sell it. It's awful. Awful. Especially when people are like, oh, just put some booze in it. Oh, yeah. That'll, that'll be great for me. Let's mix a heavy dairy product with rum. I hate eggnog. And that is number Rum. one on my list of things I hate. Dude, you're doing it wrong. That's probably why you hate it. What oh. do you put in yours, Frank? Bourbon. Oh, God. You know what? I will try that. But the spiced rum, Frank, and eggnog is very good. Not I, normal rum. It depends spice. on the... like. Uh, here's the other thing I would say, Tyler, is you might have gotten some shitty eggnog. Like, there is some... Like, some of them are, like, way too thick... You need one that has like a good viscosity to it. A good, like, it's a little bit thinner than like a chunky milkshake. Frank, have you ever bought the pre-mixed ones at Costco? Uh, we don't, our Costco doesn't sell alcohol, which is just absolute bullshit. What? Yeah. You're, how the we have the most screwed up laws here. You could buy, I could go to 7-Eleven and get booze in the States, nope. but I can't go to Costco. What? Not in Pennsylvania. Like you, you can't they don't have do a Costco liquor store like right outside? Nope. Nope. And you can't go to, you can't do any of that in Pennsylvania. Wow. Can't go to 7 Eleven and get booze. Oh, well, well, any, oh, really? You can't do that in Pennsylvania? Nope. I hmm. told you we're backwards. We're messed up. Well, well you can in Alberta. I'm just, you, 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 you know what's between Philadelphia and Pittsburgh, right? Alabama. No. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, there is a uh, back on the rails. Back on the rails. My, my my wife buys the. She's like, I don't really drink much of it. Like, I don't. I'll have eggnog like one, maybe two. I don't mind it, but I have it with a lot of rum, and so there's not a lot of eggnog in the big ice cubes, and it's really good. But she, honestly, I think she's on. And my wife doesn't drink except the pre-made eggnog at Costco. I think she's on like her fourth bottle already <laughs> oh yeah she loves it man she has like she'll go in the hot tub and she has like a big like double shot and she just sip it every night so yeah dude we have so a she phone loves. number and my that. wife's in unreal shape she works it's the only time i see her drink i'm like what is going on right now she loves the pre-made eggnog that's her one drink that she will drink uh, now nah, she only ever has like two ounces a night but that's about it Oof. dude are you said one thing too that made me think are 
an underrated part of a quality drink, especially when you have guests over, is artisanal ice. You need oh, good, I, I, good the yes. big, the big yes. uh, ball of ice or or the square. And you the know what? Have. You know what the trick is. And I, my dad taught me this. If you want a clear, a crystal clear ice cube, you boil the water first and then freeze it, and it's you could see right through it. If yeah. not, you get the cloudy bullshit out of your tap. Just, just, just boil it first. Yeah. These are all the things you'll learn, Ty. Presentation matters. Yeah, I guess. But eggnog, no way. Uh, and on that note, I am out, gentlemen. Happy holidays. Yeah, I see a Grinch. Wow, doesn't like hugs or eggnogs. This guy is an absolute prick. Jeez. <laughs> God, it's, what oh a segment, God, it's, though. Must have got a cold, a lot of coal in his stock in there. Wow. That was better than any buy or sell or whatever he forgets I love the it. name of it. He for every week it's like, Hey, I'm doing buy or sell. And then he asks you to fill in the blank. Like uh, now it's like, right. mom, we don't hug other than once a year. Good work. Grinch. <laughs> that was a lot of oh, disagreement. Too funny. Frank, have yourself a, a wonderful uh, Christmas and boxing day. And uh, we will chat on the uh, 29th for anybody. Uh, that's when our next pod will drop uh, Friday, the 29th after a few days of hockey. And then we'll rock and roll in a 24. Yeah, thanks for sticking with us all year. 265 episodes. So uh, last few years, it's been great to have you along for the ride on the DFO Rundown. We appreciate you listening every week. And uh, from our families to yours, have a great and healthy holiday. And we'll talk to you later this week. And don't forget to get in the Wendy's Survivor Pool. Frank sucks at it, but you don't have to. Go to dailyfaceoff.com where you can win great weekly prizes of uh, all sorts of awesome food, including Frank's favorite, the uh, French toast sticks. But uh, be a good teammate. You can win. It's not easy, but uh, if you can have a great second half and you can still win the top prize of $5,000. So go to dailyfaceoff.com. Play the survivor pool today. 
but there's more. You gotta decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount, and that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's gonna find the back of the net first, and you're gonna wanna be careful, because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you gotta predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.